Welcome to Free Christian Church of God's Audio Outreach Ministry. For more information regarding the Audio Outreach Ministries, or to order past messages, please contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. And now here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for your word today and every soul that is here uh, to hear it. Uh, Lord, I believe that today is the day of salvation. Um, Maybe not for anybody expecting it, but God, you... You are the author of life. You're the author of eternal life. And God, might we see you write it upon someone's heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. A few years ago, I had a pastor friend of mine over. He was new to the area, uh, just beginning his pastorate. He was probably a few months in at the time. And, and i got to tell you, it's kind of a preacher thing. It's really fun to have... Uh, share a meal with another pastor, right, that doesn't work in the same church as you. So what happens is you as a pastor can vent and ask advice to him. He can vent and ask advice of you, and you both leave happy you're not pastoring that church, <laughs> right? So, so it's a good thing, but this, this guy come over, and uh, he, he was telling me about being invited to dinner by an elderly woman in his church. He said he'd received the invitation, and word got around the church that she had invited the pastor over. So being new to the congregation, the church felt like they needed to warn him about dinner at this lady's house, and they told him, whatever you do, just drink water. Kind of a weird thing, right? So he prepared his family to go for dinner. They get there for dinner. The table is set. He said the food looked amazing. The food, he was ready to eat. And then she posed the question, what would you like to drink? I have milk and I have water. Well, the family, of course, water, 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 water. And he thought, what could be wrong with milk? 
So he got himself a glass of milk. They ate. He said the food was in, as good as it looked. He drank his milk. Nothing wrong with the milk at all. So the meal was done. They started clearing it up, and he had a little bit of milk left in his cup. And she said, are you finished with that? And he said, I, I don't think I could have any more to eat or to drink. And with that, she got the milk jug out and poured his milk back into the jug and set it in the refrigerator. And he knew then why he was only supposed to drink the water. We've all been given an invitation. Maybe you guys know this lady. Maybe she goes to church here now. I'm not sure. We've all been given an invitation to something or somewhere, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a birthday party, a retirement party, a housewarming party, a graduation party. An invitation can be a very, very exciting thing to get. You can be excited with what the invitation is for, who it's for, what it's for. We can be excited about the company that will be. We can be excited about the place where it is held. Or if you are fry, you are excited about the food. You are excited about the food that will be there. But those same exact things can make us nervous about getting an invitation, right? The people that will be there. Where it's at. The food, right? And occasionally, we can overdo an invitation, right? We can be so excited about the invitation that we kind of geek out and, and go overboard. I remember a time I was asked to speak at a uh, conference in Columbus, and it was a political thing. I don't remember what it was called, but there were like judges there and uh, Congress people and just representatives from all over the state. And they asked me to pray for the meal. Oh, this is cool. I was, I was maybe in my late 20s then. What a cool opportunity to pray for this meal. And I was getting ready to get up there, and the Lord really convicted my heart to not just pray. Because what were they going to do? Shut my microphone off? How often do you get to preach for politicians, right? So I did. I preached a, a five-minute sermon, prayed the prayer, never was invited back, ever, ever. But it's okay. It's okay. All throughout Scripture, we read about a number of gracious invitations given by Jesus. And I just want to go through some of these with you. The first one is in John 1, verse 39, when Jesus invites two potential disciples to come and see. Hear the invitation in that? Soon after, an invitation is given in Mark 1.17 when Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So first the invitation to come and see, to know him, to have a seat at his table, and then the invitation to follow him in winning others, in bringing others to this table. Next we read the invitation to those who lay. Uh, labor in our heavy laden, inviting them in for rest. He says to take his yoke and learn from him to find rest for your souls. 
And if you do accept that invitation from him, he promises in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's a beautiful verse, isn't it? We also see personal invitations uh, throughout Scripture. A little man by the name of Zacchaeus was invited to come down from the sycamore tree. Then in this plot twist, right, Jesus invites himself to his house. It's a unique invitation. You ever get one of those? To his good friend Lazarus, dead and wrapped in a tomb, he invited him to come forth in John eleven forty three, 43. And not even the grave, not even death could prevent him from accepting such an invite. But then, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, Revelation twenty two seventeen, the very last invitation in all of Scripture. You see, there are other invitations that we find when we read, when we read our Bibles, the incredible promises uh, to those who come. But I want you to note especially this final invitation that we read about in Revelation. It's like a great symphony, this, this grand concierto. We hear these beautiful longings of the bride of Christ, invitations rapidly approaching one another. When we read Revelation, Throughout the book, we hear many different voices speaking. Sometimes it's John. Sometimes it's an angel. Sometimes it's a voice from the throne. Sometimes it's Christ himself speaking. But I want you to listen close as we read this verse. It says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty Come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. What a beautiful display of the power of the whole gospel. Right there in that one scripture, we hear the bride of Christ inviting the, the return of Christ as we wait for that coming, the invitation for those who are thirsty to come still stands. And someday in this cosmic collision of his return and the longing of his bride clashes together. So this verse, the invitation of the Spirit through the bride, Christ's church saying, Come, Lord Jesus. Is that your longing? Then the voice of John breaks in with an invitation for all who have heard the gospel promise, and he calls out to them, Come. But the next voice, this next invitation, the voice of our Savior punctuated with patience. The answer 
to the invitation of the church. As the church invites Christ's return, Christ is lovingly patient with both his response and return. He says, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. When I read that verse, to me it's nearly a repeating of the words we read in the parable. Still there is room. Hungry and thirsty, helpless, seemingly worthless, poor, crippled, blind, lame, and love still props open the door. It's the story of the servant sent into the slums with an invitation in hand. It's your story and it's my story. The servant handing us an invitation saying, you have been summoned by the king. Truly the only thing we can think he would want with us is the punishment for our sin or our betrayal. As we limp from our forgotten holding cell, being escorted, we follow upon the heels of his servant. You turn the corner, and he grabs the handle of the heavy door, and he pulls it towards himself, motioning with his hand for you to go ahead and pass through. You've been escorted into the master's court. And where you expected gallows for you to hang from, there sits a table. And not just any table, but a royal table, a banquet table. And arranged upon this table is a feast like you've never seen before. A feast of love and mercy and grace and beauty and joy and perfect peace. It's the table of the redeemed. Wouldn't you give anything just to be near the table? To be a servant at the table? Why has your name been called to this feast? How could he, how could anyone? You don't even feel right to eat the crumbs underneath the table like a dog. You're overwhelmed by the spread of the table. And your legs collapse underneath you. And that is when someone scoops you up into their arms. Your peasant rags exchange for a spotless white robe. And you're carried to the table and given a seat that you don't deserve. Suddenly, your brokenness is gone. Your guilt is gone, and your shame is gone. Your sin is gone. You're strengthened simply by being seated at the table. You lift your head and look around the table at the unexpected guests. Hearing the testimony of how this king has made prophets out of prodigals, how he's turned mystics into miracles, how the broken are made beautiful, how he turned mourning into dances and great armies from dead, dry bones. You begin to consume the goodness of the table. And for the first time in your life, you're satisfied. Satisfied. Ever. Someone needs to hear this today. 
No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, how bad you've been, what side of the tracks you're from, still there is room. He's not called out to you today to set the table, to serve at the table, because this isn't a position that you can earn. You can't work your way to this table. It is by invitation only. How long did it take for the father to take back the prodigal son? How long did it take for the king to welcome Paul, the killer of Christians, to the table? Or Matthew, the tax collector? How long did it take for Jesus to welcome the thief on the cross to find his seat at the table of the king? You're not too bad. Just simply responding to the invitation. He's not tasked you to clean up after the meal. Just sit. Just sit at the table. There's still room. You see, an invitation can be a powerful thing if it's accepted. If it's accepted. The maker of heaven and earth has invited you to sit at his table. Notice one thing from this opening parable that we read. Those who didn't make it, it's not because they weren't invited. It's because they had an excuse to not go. They're all going to miss the banquet. Every one of them had a good reason to reject the invitation, so they thought. But they traded that which was greatest and eternal for something good and temporary. So you always think that it's sin and it's rejection. No, you can reject the gospel for good things, but they'll cost you eternity. They preferred carnal blessings over eternal blessings. Christ prepared the table by the way of the cross. I, I was, as I was studying this week, I, I started reading this, this next scripture that we're going to get to, and it blew my mind. I've been in church my whole life, and I, this, I never had this verse resonate with me in this way. So I, I hope it does the same for you. Psalm 23 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We read that in all of the 23rd Psalm, right? But to like single that out and really focus on this for a minute, I, I had to think because we hear the 23rd Psalm preached at funerals, right? And it's not for dead people, it's for living people. So we have to look at it this way. And it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. It's not talking about some time after I pass. It's not some out-of-body experience after we die. It's now. I sit at this table every day in the presence of my enemies. That's empowering. 
That is absolutely, it's the everyday experience of the Christian is to dine at the table of the king in the presence of our enemies. Is that exciting or just, no, okay, all right, just checking. You're, you're shocked, right? That's what it is. This is, <gasps> every day, every enemy watches me feast with the king. <laughs> doesn't that change, doesn't that change life a little bit? Every day I take in grace in mercy, in provision, in hope, in favor, in the world, the devil, his demons, in my flesh, have to watch, forced to watch me feast with the king. Aren't you tired of the enemy mocking you, watching you starve yourself to death? overcome with weakness and shame and guilt. Listen, sit at the table. They're not invited. They have to watch from the outside of the room. We all have enemies. We all have adversaries or foes and opponents, spiritual forces that are bent on our destruction. Had us convinced we'd never be rescued convinced us we weren't worth coming for, labeled us, shamed us, perverted us, took our innocence, lied to us, nearly eternally destroyed us. Those enemies Christ makes sit at the outside edges of the banquet scene and watch. They can't approach the table They're not welcome to the table. They must watch everything unfold. They watch as we fill our souls with heaven's delight, with heaven's blessings, with anointing, and with favor. And then maybe the only time in all of history where fruit is good, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're taking this in. And our enemies watch and they're appalled by it. Absolutely appalled. They're in shock for our flesh in this world. No demon, especially the devil, can even fathom that we are having this meal. They tremble as God's people are filled to overflowing. Look, nothing gets under your enemy's skin more than overflowing, abundant joy at the table of the king. You want to frustrate him? Have a seat at the table. You want to make him mad? Have a seat at the table. You really want to get him going? Start eating from the table. And then it gets even worse when you start bringing people to the table to eat. They don't understand how The Lord God Almighty can sit down with sinners at a meal he prepared. Sit with us, his once enemy, but the cross. The cross of Christ. This meal is brought to you by the cross of Jesus Christ. That is what amazing grace enables and provides. It saves a wretch like me. 
You see, in our own righteousness, which the Bible says are like filthy rags, we are not worthy of such a meal. Coming to church, you're not worthy of such a meal. Teaching Sunday school, you're not worthy of such a meal, but Christ paid for it. He paid for it, he prepared it, and he provides it in the presence of our enemies right now. We are feasting at the table in the presence of our enemy right now. Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's open shame when they have to watch us feast around the table. What joy it brings the redeemed to feast on all the heavenly riches now. Not someday, now. But how much more enjoyable to see our enemies suffer while we eat at the table. Amen? While we exercise our freedom of worshiping God. When we take in his word and joyfully obey his commands, seated at the table with nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. And they watch and envy and become agitated. And they are harassed at a deeper, eternally secure, more glorious state of the church that is to come. They think it's bad now. Wait till they watch us in heaven. Right? I was talking to dad before service about, I'm sure you've, you've heard of this uh, revival they're saying that has broken out on the college campus. Uh, I forget the name of the college, but there's videos and it's been going for, for days now. They, they call it this revival. And, and a lot of people are excited about it. And I'm, I'm excited about it if it's real. But, but I said the one, the one thing, I told my dad that, that concerns me is in everything that's posted, nobody's preaching. Nobody's preaching. There's songs, and there's shouting, and there's, there's hand-raising, but I don't see the word anyway. And maybe they just haven't shared that part, but, but church, that's revival. That's revival. And, 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 and let me just say this too. Revival isn't what happens in the church. Revival is what happens when the church leaves, right? That, that's what happens. We don't, we've, been, we've, we've stayed, look, listen, uh, the Acts, what happened? They stayed in the room till the Spirit fell, and then what? They left the room because there was a mission. So just, just be, be leery of, of, of when, when you see that stuff. If, if revival is happening without the Word of God, it's not revival. It's not revival. Let me get back to my sermon now. Mark 2, 16 and 17. And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick... I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Anybody here qualified then? 
I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You're not too bad. We've talked a lot about the invitation. We've talked a lot about the banquet table and the feast on top of the table, the presence of those who are seated at the table around us, even our enemies forced to watch us consuming from the banquet table. All those things are great, and they're all worth being seated at the table for, but it is the table of the king. And he is seated at the table with us. Right next to us at the table. He came down from the throne to have communion with sinners. I'm afraid of how many people will stand in the doorway of the banquet room with an invitation in their hand. You've come to the room time and time again, but you've not yet taken your seat at the table. You're too busy to sit and to eat. Or maybe you're too proud to sit and eat. Maybe maybe. You think everyone thinks you're already sitting at the table, so if you come to the table, it's going to expose you. Um, maybe it's not even an unworthy issue. Maybe you just have a problem with those who are seated at the table. Maybe you're just like not going to sit with those people, those outcasts. The adulterers, the prostitutes, the selfish, the greedy, the poor, the lame, and the hypocrites. I'm not going to sit at a table with them. I'm better than that. Let me correct you. It is a table of former adulterers, former prostitutes, no longer selfish, greedy, weak, poor, or lame, but rich beyond measure, children of the living God, period. (laughs) The happiest joy-filled, nothing can stop us, redeemed, forgiven, justified, righteous, made holy, loved by God, motley crew of blood-bought misfits and proud of it. Now I got you. He's <laughs> like, that's me. He's talking to me now. Who would want nothing more than to pull out a seat and pass a dish to you. That's the church. Still, there is room. You know why I know that? Because we're still here. He's not come back yet. He's saying, if you're thirsty, come. We're we're still somewhere in Revelation, right? There's still room at his table prepared for you in the presence of that voice that's telling you to tune his word out right now. The enemy's speaking in your ears saying, no, 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 if you respond to this invitation, oh, it's going to get bad for him. Not for you, right? He's prepared a table in the presence of your enemy. 
your flesh, the world, the demons, Satan, your past, your problems, your ailments, all of those things. And he comes down and he seats himself at the table because he wants time with us. This is just, this is, I can't even fathom that, and I'm saved. It's just so hard for me to grasp when I open my Bible that the king wants to tell me something. He doesn't want you in the doorway of the banquet room. He wants you seated. The cross said, you're worth sitting at the table. The biggest hurdle, though, to a seat at the table is understanding what it really means to come. Though you're escorted there, though the door is open, the room is decorated, the table is set, and the food is plenty, though it has all been paid for and you have been invited, it does require something of you in order to come. Repent of your sin and believe in Christ. Something has to be spoken before you sit at this table. There's a reason that John the Baptist in Christ himself and the apostles preached, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. I hope every pulpit in the world is speaking those words today. That's the reason we're here, so that people will repent and believe the gospel. You say, well, I believe the gospel. Get it right. Repent and believe the gospel. You see, repentance is the seat upon which we sit at the table. You can't stand at this table and eat. You have to humble yourself on the seat of repentance, the mercy seat of God. Today, as you sit here with this great invitation in your ear, and, and I pray, penetrating your heart, may God in His Word speak to your weary soul. Still there is room. Might you grasp the gift of salvation, turning from your sin and meeting Jesus at the table where you turn around and hear the words from Hebrews 8, 12 from his lips. If you don't get anything, get this. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. That's what we won't talk about at the table, was who you used to be. We'll talk about what you're becoming. We'll talk about the new robe you're wearing. Amen? That's all I got today, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And I say, I say that because... There's 350 people here, and somebody's hungry. Somebody's hungry. And Dad's, Dad said it before, and, and I've inherited this, 
fear of someone that sits underneath my preaching every week when time is over you're escorted from the banquet room because you're just blocking the doorway and, and, and what's what's really scary about that is dads moms grandparents if you're standing at the doorway of the banquet room then other people can't get in. Like your kids and your grandkids. You have to show them the way to the table. Nothing makes me more mad than a parent or a grandparent giving kids and grandkids the excuse to not feast with Christ. Don't stand in the way today. Musicians, you can come forward. As we close, Dad said, this altar always opens up when we're done preaching. In fact, uh, biblically, the altar should fill up when we're done preaching, not just before we're preaching. It should fill up by our responding to God's Word. Uh, And look, I don't ever measure the success of a sermon by how many people come to the altar. That's not it for me, not at all. But listen, somebody, somebody's hungry. And this altar ought to be the most inviting place. You are the servant, maybe, that escorts from the cell through the door and into the banquet room. But somebody needs to have a seat upon repentance today and for the first time of their life enjoy communion with Christ and the saints all the misfit saints at the table of our king stand with me and let's pray let's pray for the souls that are that are wrestling this out right now uh, Lord Every Sunday is special, God. Every, every time your word is preached, it's, it's tremendously special. But God, how much more special is the day of salvation? God, I know there are people out there who are broken, who are hurting, who are lost in their sin. Their life is spiraling out of control. And they just come to church every day hoping, hoping, hoping that something will fill their stomach. God, they've tried everything that this world has to offer. And they've found that it has no substance. But God, might they today, by coming to the altar or sitting in their seat, there's no special place it must happen, but God, it must happen with you. God, might they repent of their sin and believe that you are the Savior. God, save somebody new. God, save somebody who's been in the church their whole life but just don't know. God, save somebody from their shame and their guilt. Wash away their sin today with the blood of Christ that we might rejoice that the prodigal has come home. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You have been listening to Pastor Jimmy Fry from Free Christian Church of God in Continental Ohio. We hope you have enjoyed today's message, and we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Our Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church of God is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. This has been a Free Christian Church of God audio outreach ministries production.